0: Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us here on a Saturday evening. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. It is 5.06 and we have a lot to get to. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. You can listen to us in 1530 AM, 93.1 FM, and at kfbk.com and the iHeartRadio app. The stack is full tonight, so feel free to give us a call and weigh in. Uh, We're going to spend a considerable amount of time on the big story locally and throughout California this week, the East Area Rapist, the Golden State Killer who was arrested and appeared in court for the first time. We'll get to that momentarily. Many folks that I talked to this week were talking about that story all day. When it happened on Tuesday and then throughout the week, they continued to discuss. They remember 40 years ago when this all began to happen in the 70s and the 80s and what it was like here and how they lived in fear in their neighborhoods and they were locking their doors and it wasn't in just one neighborhood. It was in many, many neighborhoods, many cities all across Northern California and then eventually into Southern California. We're going to get to that. Bill Cosby convicted this week. Tom Brokaw accused this week. We're going to hear from Linda Vester. She is the woman who is accusing Tom Brokaw, one of two women who came out this week accusing him of sexual harassment. Also, we're going to get to Fresno State. There's fallout on the campus at Fresno State now. That professor, the mad tweeter, nothing will happen to her, despite what she tweeted out after the death of Barbara Bush, and a videotape which surfaced in the last two weeks, it's very disturbing, filled with profane language and and violence. Uh, We will talk more about that coming up, uh, in addition to other topics, but... Let's get to the big story of this week, the Golden State Killer. And what a week it's been. A former police officer, Joseph D'Angelo, made his first court appearance. He was handcuffed in a wheelchair this week in orange jail scrubs. He looked dazed. He spoke in a faint voice. He said he was represented by a public defender, and he did not enter a plea. Now, he was arrested as the suspect in the killing of 13 people raping nearly 50 women in the 1970s and 80s. He's 72, arrested Tuesday, and investigators matched crime scene DNA with genetic materials stored online by a distant relative. So from there, they narrowed their search to the Sacramento area grandfather, D'Angelo, using DNA that was obtained from an, uh, an item that he had discarded That's how they got to him in Citrus Heights. Let's roll up some sound bites that we have accumulated from this week as this story unfolded. First, Sacramento County Sheriff Scott Jones and how the DNA technology, and there is controversy about this, and we're going to get to that in just a second, how this DNA technology played a huge role in resting Joseph D'Angelo. We were able to get DNA result back in about four hours, and that was unheard of just 10 years ago. So the advances in the DNA science really, really helped them. The phone number here is Now we're going to expand a little bit on the DNA evidence, and here's why it's controversial. The genealogy website that was used to find the man accused of being California's golden state killer had no idea that its database was tapped into. Authorities never approached Florida-based GED match about the investigation that led to D'Angelo, and the co-founder, Curtis Rogers, said that law enforcement's use of the site raised privacy concerns that were echoed by civil liberties groups. So then this becomes a question of civil rights for you. Let's say you go to one of these companies. And you asked to have your DNA looked at because you're wondering about your ancestry. And then the authorities just walk into the company and say, we want it. Or they just go in and they take it and not ask. Are you okay with that? Because many of these companies say they do not just willingly hand over that type of information. Should they? I mean, in this case, they make the argument, look at the bad dude that we got. We caught him because we did that. Okay, here's Jones with more on DNA. He expanded on how a big role the DNA has played in this case. This is an interview that he did with reporter Mike Lurie of KCR3.
2: So we had a known sample from the suspect or the defendant in many of these cases. Um, and so what we did using this DNA technology is it didn't give us a suspect. What it gave us is kind of a universe. Did this individual, the one and only suspect in this case, make a critical mistake? You know, I, I, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, he, he left DNA, but had no way of knowing at the time that the technology would come back to DNA.
1: He had no idea. But who did? That was 40 years ago. I mean, the science in DNA has changed dramatically in 10 years. So there's no way 40 years ago you could even imagine the kind of matches that they can make today. And how many different databases they, they run and explore to try to get a match Phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Do you remember 40 years ago what it was like and what are your thoughts now? Did you see him in court? How did he appear to you in a wheelchair looking dazed and faint? So these crimes spanned two decades, the 70s and the 80s. And it wasn't just here in Sacramento and it wasn't just in Davis and it wasn't just in the East Bay He also hit, in Southern California authorities say, remember, 13 killings, 50 rapes, 100 burglaries. Some people thought they'd never catch this guy. Some people thought this guy would die. A free man, never to be caught, and no one would ever know who he was. So now you have multiple cases in counties all across California, and they have to coordinate all of this. Here is Sacramento County District Attorney Anne Marie Schubert. She says these cases involving D'Angelo spread across so many counties in California. But she says there may be just one trial.
3: The DA's from the various counties will make a decision on how is the best way to proceed on this. Um, what county would be the best because we can try them together and that would probably be the goal is to put them all together.
1: So they are going to work together to try to have one trial. They're going to try to coordinate all of this between all of those counties, and that's no small task. But it would be a heck of a lot better than having to call witnesses into who knows how many courtrooms, six, eight, ten. There's just, from a logistic standpoint, it just can't be done. So they're going to have to find a way to coordinate this thing and get this done in one courtroom. That's going to take some time. Uh, this procedure is going to take a long time. He's 72 years old. You'll probably never see the light of day again. And then it raises the question, what was he doing for 40 years? He's a former police officer. He used to be in the Auburn Police Force. And he worked in a distribution center. And this week there were a number of interviews that were done with the people who lived in his neighborhood. And they described some crazy behavior, in their words, crazy behavior. So we're going to hear from them on the other side of this break. What was it like to live in the same neighborhood with D'Angelo for all these years and they had no idea they say time now is 514 the phone number here 916 921-1530 1-800-834-1530 give us a call on this remarkable story we're back on the other side this is weekend live i'm sam shane
0: kfbk weekend live news and analysis on news radio kfbk
1: Saturday night is fast approaching. It is 519 here at KFPK. I'm Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. The phone number is 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. The East Area Rapist, the Golden State Killer, has been arrested. And he made his first court appearance... And we are talking about him, and we're going to get into what he was like as a neighbor. What was this guy doing for 40 years and not being arrested? As investigators all across California were trying to find him. It turns out he was right here in our backyard. Police say at the time, they suspected that they were chasing a fellow cop. Or an armed services member because he was so methodical and meticulous. This is according to Wendell Phillips. He's a former Sacramento deputy. He joined the hunt for the rapist who, of course, terrorizes suburbs east of the state capital. That's where he got his first name, the East Sacramento Rapist. And then he terrorized neighborhoods all across California. D'Angelo worked for nearly three decades in a Sacramento area supermarket warehouse. He was a truck mechanic. He retired last year. He is a former Auburn police officer, also known by neighbors in suburban Citrus Heights for keeping his long manicured and cussing loudly, which takes us now to the neighbors. We're going to hear from a neighbor and a former neighbor of D'Angelo. First, the neighbor. They're going to talk a little bit about what they saw, what they heard, and what they remember about him. This is Grant Gorman.
4: I haven't fully absorbed everything yet. I'm still going back through old memories and talking to neighbors and family members and trying to piece together if there's something we missed.
1: Grant Gorman. Still can't believe it. And I would imagine on this Saturday evening, there may be a barbecue or two going on in that neighborhood. And everybody's still looking at each other and saying, How in the world did we miss it? Or did we miss anything? Could this just have been anybody in anybody's neighborhood? And then there's the uh, former neighbor. His name is Brian Wood. And he says that D'Angelo, as he recalls, was a remote model plane enthusiast. And Brian Wood says D'Angelo was also known as Crazy Joe. So his
3: nickname around the whole neighborhood is Crazy Joe. He is a little
5: different. How so?
2: Um so in talking with him, you know, you could tell he had like a high degree of intellect and uh, but yet a normal conversation and stuff, he he just had a little um, peculiarities.
1: Former neighbor Brian Wood, who says he was known as Crazy Joe. Joe D'Angelo. D'Angelo Phone number here 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. He's been charged with eight counts of murder. The Sacramento County Sheriff, Scott Jones, says that D'Angelo has been muttering to himself while in jail. He is in the psychiatric ward. He is on suicide watch. That is not uncommon in a case like this. And authorities say that more charges are likely to be filed at a later time. So we just heard from Brian Wood, who said he's known as Crazy Joe, And wait till you hear what Brian Wood told a reporter next.
6: Oh, for the love of
2: God, you got to be kidding me. It was like, man, we were in the car with that guy.
6: My daughter has spent the night at his house.
1: That was Brian Wood's first thought when he heard that D'Angelo had been arrested as the Golden State Killer. Thirteen murders. 50 rapes, 100 burglaries, and his daughter spent the night in D'Angelo's house. I mean, just put yourself in that guy's shoes for one second. (laughs) You would be second-guessing every decision you made with your kids probably for how many years? Do I really trust that guy now? Because I didn't, you know, D'Angelo seemed like he was a little crazy, but nothing more. And now this is Grant Gorman, and he said that D'Angelo often acted very strangely, and and the neighbors clearly saw it and witnessed it. And at night, we'd hear him late into the evening yelling, sometimes at his kids, sometimes
4: at his wife when she was still there, and sometimes to no one at all. Sometimes it would be the ramblings of a madman.
1: The ramblings of a madman who was caught through DNA technology through a website, a genealogy website that was used to track him down. A former police officer who had no idea how in four decades technology would advance to the point that something that he discarded threw away in the trash would somehow lead to his arrest and capture. Because one of his relatives decided to go to a genealogy website in Florida, located and based in Florida, to find out more about their family. Not knowing, obviously, about D'Angelo and his history, and never suspecting that it would lead to something like this. And so there are questions about whether or not law enforcement should have the ability to go in... And simply gather that kind of information and that material. Is that a violation of a civil right? Well, this is Aaron Murphy, who is a DNA expert and a professor at New York University School of Law. And he says, while many people may not realize police can use public genealogy websites to solve crimes, it probably is legal. Because it's put out there in the public domain according to this professor, and so if other citizens can access this information to try to make a connection, why can't police? Well, it's just one of those many issues that we will continue to debate in this country with regards to technology solving crimes and our civil rights and our privacy rights and where the two shall meet because it's a sticky situation for legal experts and civil libertarians to sort through. But it has been quite a week in the capture of the Golden State Killer. Phone number here is 1-800-834-1530. we are going to take a look at what transpired over the week with two very well-known men and sexual harassment. Bill Cosby, found guilty on all charges this week, at 80 years old, was convicted on three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault stemming from drugging and molesting a woman in his suburban Philadelphia home that was 14 years ago. Cosby seemed genuinely stunned as the verdicts were read in the courtroom. The verdict was read just before 2 o'clock local time at the Montgomery County Courthouse that's in Norristown, Pennsylvania. He had his head down, he took a deep breath, and he appeared to close his eyes. His main accuser, Andrea Constant, and two other women said that Cosby drugged and sexually assaulted them They were in the courtroom and they burst into tears as the verdict was announced. They are not the only women to accuse him of doing that. There have been scores. Dozens. And many times, the statute of limitations simply ran out. In basketball, they call that running out the clock. And Cosby was winning that game for many, many, many years. And this was the last chance to get him and they got him. His attorney says that they will appeal, did not agree with the verdict. Cosby has been sentenced to stay in his home to wear a bracelet. He was not sent to jail. There are some who say he should have been sent to jail. So we probably have not heard the end of this, but at the age of 80, the Bill Cosby star has faded in what could only be described as one of the most dramatic fashions that we have ever seen from a big time star. That was a man when he had his own television show that America watched every night. He had it all. And as one after another of these stories began to surface, it became evident that Cosby was taking advantage of women and and not just a few. Tom Brokaw, who was the anchor of NBC Nightly News for decades, was also accused this week and he had a strong response. We're going to hear from the woman who accused him of sexually harassing her and we'll discuss this topic more on the other side of the break. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 834 I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. Thanks for joining us. We're back in a moment.
0: Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK.
1: We're live on the air, KFBK Radio. Thanks for joining us here. News Radio KFBK. I'm Sam Shane. The phone number here, 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. You can hear us on 1530 AM, 93.1 FM at kfbk.com and with an iHeartRadio app. We're going to get into Tom Brokaw and the allegations that he faces now this weekend. These allegations surfaced this week. Before we get to that, let's get to Tim. He joins us in Fair Oaks on this Saturday evening. Hi, Tim. How are you?
7: All right. How are you doing?
1: Not too bad. What's on your mind?
7: Oh, not too much. You know, um, I lived in that area. I actually lived probably about a couple miles from from where you know they uh, where they had found him, and a lot of the uh, uh, attacks occurred. You know. So this th-
1: this happened in the seventies and eighties. And by the sound of your voice, I'm going to guess you may not have been around at that time.
7: <laughs> I know. I always <laughs> sound like a little. I always sound like a,
1: a little uh, young, huh?
7: you no i'm i'm in my 50s i just sound like that I'm
1: oh really so do you do you remember this i don't i don't have a voice for radio <laughs> <laughs> well it, it and and you, maybe you do or don't have the face for radio <laughs> uh, I, I don't know <laughs>
7: so anyways yeah. uh, so anyway, so so uh the thing is is that um I always wondered, you know, because we're not talking about someone that's, uh, This you know, you guys have guns, they have the ability to arrest people, and the training that's involved. And I know that in sensitive positions, like with the intelligence community or anything like that, that they actually have, over the decade, given them, you know, stress analysis, lie detector, probably asking them questions. And I'm I'm wondering if they ever had thought about doing screening for something like that. Or is it
1: just... Okay, so you're you're you mean because uh is a former police officer, is that what you're is that where you're going with this?
7: Yeah, and I don't know the exact timeline, but I believe that Oh, some of these crimes, weren't they committed while he was in law enforcement? Or I'm, I'm not sure. I can't give I can...
1: you a specific answer on the timeline of each individual. I mean, remember, we're talking about 100 burglaries, 50 rapes and 13 murders. Uh, so there's a whole host of crimes that were committed over, you know, two decades. So I can't break it down for you specifically. Here's what I do know, though, Tim, yeah. is that one of the investigators uh, who was recently quoted because they thought all along that they were looking at someone who may have been a former police officer, law enforcement officer, or former military, um, because of the meticulous way that they handled each individual crime scene. So that the investigators who were actually looking into this case had to submit their own saliva as part of the investigation to rule them out. Okay, so here you are, an investigator, trying to find the Golden State Killer, and you have to submit your saliva. So that yeah, you, I'm, <laughs> so that I'm just, you are proven to be innocent.
7: Can you imagine though, what those guys that were, you know, in law enforcement? Because you know, when I was a when I was a kid, you know, I remember probably like twelve, fourteen years old. I remember that uh, some of us we 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 had dubbed him the Dirty Harry Killer because I think this was a guy that they had said that he would go in and he actually had like some kind of a forty four Magnum or some some large gun. And he'd go in and he'd had, tie up the husbands. And, right. And, you know, so the thing is, it said, and they said that probably he is law enforcement
8: mm-hmm.
7: or something. So it was no secret that he might have been law enforcement. But can you imagine what those guys were going through thinking, oh, my God, we're well, going to have to arrest look, one of our own? I, I think, Tim, right? that
1: this was a time of, of frustration for law enforcement and for investigators. They weren't able to get this guy. It was a time of fear in the community. Um, so yeah. for, for citizens, they were fearful, locking their doors do i let my son or daughter go anywhere and for the political leadership the last thing that they ever want is an electorate that doesn't feel comfortable and secure
7: i remember when i was you know uh there were a a few nights there where my mom would have to be out of town and i was by myself and it was in that area and there had been a couple few rapes about a couple few days before that and i just remember (laughs) You know, putting my dresser in front of you, pretty much barricading myself in the bedroom and putting my dresser in front of the drawer because, in front of the door because, uh, you know, all kinds of room, you know, the guy's kicking down doors, he's breaking in, and it was just, it was, it was, it was, everybody was a little terrorized. It was, it was pretty bad. And it's just, uh, uh, I'm just, um, um, you know, 40 years later because someone figured out how to, uh, you know, get DNA. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, it's just uh, it just makes you wonder what kind of technology are we gonna have thirty years from now
1: oh there's <clears throat> there's um, no telling there's no telling yeah, but i mean it right? it really was i it it was for me tim because i I covered this story you know I, I was in I was in the reporting field for thirty plus years and a large portion of that I spent in this market and throughout northern california and i you know I kind of came to the conclusion I think it was about ten years ago I don't think they're ever going to get this guy. I just never even envisioned them. I thought this was a man who was going to die, a free man, and the crime may never get solved. And so when that announcement was made on Tuesday, I was as stunned as everybody.
7: And you know, one more thing, though. You know what I'm thinking right now? Hmm. I'm thinking right now, it's possible that this Zodiac killer is sitting here listening to all of this stuff.
1: You know, right. the Zodiac Killer is another one of those perplexing cases, and we've done, and I've done a number of stories on that one as well. And that's interesting. How many it cold? How many? 70s. Yeah, how many cold cases now are being revisited with this new technology, and to what degrees are they going?
7: And I, I have no, I, I really have too much of a problem with it because people think, well, I'm not going to give them my DNA. No, your DNA sample is everywhere, right. and if you don't give it, they'll get it somehow. Um, and between you and I, um, I, I I had a relative that I suspected that might, might have been him because we lived in the area during all that, and there were things that were going on, and I had suspected. And, and this individual was very meticulous, very you know. It was just I don't know, and I know you know hindsight twenty twenty, and you think. Well, so
1: this relative, let's get back to that. Did you ever report him?
7: I was. Uh, what happened was about <clears throat> about three weeks and in, and. In, And I did. Uh, My wife and I sat down. We had a serious discussion about this because we read this article in the newspaper, SAC B about the book that was coming out three weeks ago, which is a strange thing in its own way. So we, so we read this, we read this article and I said, man, you know what? I'm thinking about it and the times and the dates match up and, when he had gone down to he had gone down to Southern California during a period of time and back, and I said, "You know what I'm going to do i'm going to go into I'm going to go to the sheriff's department. I'm going to offer a DNA sample and if it matches up,
1: then hmm. so did you do then, that uh,
7: i was i was i was I was real close to doing it, I was going to go head back into Sacramento. Here for a little bit and uh, going, but you know it's not exactly something you, know, you go into the you know sheriff's department and say hey I want to give you a DNA sample. No, that's
1: not I something I you do lightly. That's why I'm kind of uh, yeah. interested to no, hear we that we
7: were you... we were probably within a couple weeks of doing it, and then all of a sudden, and like I said, what happened was we read this article. And I said let's do this because this is uh you know we're getting pretty close
1: to home. So here, before so, yeah. so before you ever went in to give the DNA sample to see if it was a match with your relative. This arrest happens of D'Angelo. Yes, I see. Okay.
7: Yeah, so before I before I went in to give my DNA sample, the arrest the arrest happened, and um, hmm. you know it's just uh, yeah. But but we had read the article, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that had thought about going in and giving because. Well,
1: Tim, who knows? You know, I mean, uh, Ted Kaczynski, who turned out to be the Unabomber, was turned in by his brother who read the manifesto in the New York Times and said, hey, wait a second, this sounds like my brother. So it it, it wouldn't be the first time that a relative has connected the dots for authorities. Hey, listen, I I really appreciate your call, but I'm kind of running up against the clock uh, because it's 543 and we do have to take a break. We do have to get to the Tom Brokaw accusations uh, from Linda Vester and the response not only from Brokaw, but from scores of women at NBC News and how they're responding to these new allegations that surfaced just the last couple of days. Uh, time now is 5:44. I'm Sam Shane. The phone number here 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live. Thanks for joining us and we're back in a moment.
0: KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis on News Radio KFBK.
1: Phone number here, 916-921-1530, one 834 I'm Sam Shane, this is Weekend Live, thanks for joining us. Diamond and Silk, they were on Capitol Hill testifying this week. Don't know if you caught this one, kind of got buried. They're interesting, it's a couple of young African American women, they become YouTube sensations for their conservative rants, if you so desire to call them that. But they they often talk of their support for President Trump, and they often criticize Black Lives Matter, and they went to Capitol Hill to talk about Facebook and social media, and whether there's a bias against conservative thinking. Well, they were questioned by a congressman who essentially accused them of making money. I guess for some that's not a good thing, to make money. Wait till you hear this line of questioning. We have that for you coming up just a short time from now. Time now is uh, approaching 5.50 on a Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us here on Weekend Live. We are live here every weekend from 5 to 7 o'clock. We would love for you to join us. Feel free to call in. Let's talk a little bit about Tom Brokaw. Um, This is a man that uh, dominated broadcast news for decades. A woman who worked as a war correspondent for NBC News said that Tom Brokaw groped her twice, tried to forcibly kiss her, made inappropriate overtures, trying to have an affair. And this is according to a couple of published reports on Thursday. Linda Vester told Variety and Washington Post that the misbehavior from Brokaw took place in NBC offices in Denver and in New York in the 90s when she was in her 20s. Now, Variety says that Vester, who is now 52, showed them journals from the time that corroborated the story. So, we're going to play some sound bites from her in just a moment. But before we do that, I should let you know that Brokaw definitely responded initially and then in a very long email to his colleagues at NBC News. And today it surfaced that scores of women at NBC have written a letter in support of Tom Brokaw. We're going to get to that response as well. But before we do that, let's get to the meat of this, which is Linda Vester. Okay. She was then an NBC correspondent in her 20s. She says Brokaw wanted to have an affair with her, that he groped her, and she told her story in a number of interviews with Variety. Here's our first cut.
3: I was deeply traumatized by being groped and assaulted by Tom Brokaw.
1: So she says she was deeply traumatized, Variety says that they went back and looked at some of the journals that she wrote, personal journals that she wrote at the time, to corroborate what she was saying, and that's why they went with the story. The Washington Post also went with the story. Tom Brokaw, in an email, he's now 78 years old, strenuously denied the detailed account by Linda Vester. Quote, I am angry, hurt, and unmoored from what I thought would be the final passage of my life and career. What do you think about this? Is this a whole different case than Bill Cosby? Is this a he said, she said? Or is this another big name media personality who took advantage of his position in your estimation? 5.52 is the time. Brokaw joined the network in 1966, anchored nightly news for 22 years. He was accused not only by Vester, but by a second anonymous woman of harassment in the Washington Post. In their story which was published on Thursday. More from NBC News journalists women who are supporting Brokaw in just a moment. But our next soundbite from Linda Vester in her interview with Variety. She said that Brokaw at the time urged her to keep it quiet.
3: He leans over with his index finger and puts it on my mouth to silence me and says This is our compact.
1: You believe her? 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. On the flip side, a lot of people believe Matt Lauer was a straight guy. Didn't do the things that people accused him of doing. And look what happened with his career. So if it could happen to Lauer, could Brokaw have done it too? Because that's where a lot of people went with this story this week. Hey, wait a second. I didn't think that Lauer would do something like this. And if Lauer would do something like this, would Brokaw do something like this? So today, following the allegations of sexual misconduct against longtime NBC News anchor Tom Brokaw, and Brokaw's denial of any wrongdoing, more than 60 of Brokaw's past and present female colleagues at NBC, came to his defense. They signed a letter in support of Brokaw, including some of the network's biggest names, Rachel Maddow, Andrea Mitchell, Mika Brzezinski, Maria Shriver. They write in this letter, Brokaw, quote, has treated each of us with fairness and respect. He has given each of us opportunities for advancement and championed our success throughout our careers. They added that Brokaw has, as a man of tremendous decency and integrity. This is from 60 women at NBC. Now, take that up against what Linda Vester said in her interview with Variety. She did not report this to NBC executives because she said she thought it would hurt her career.
5: Even
3: though I know I was not in any way at fault in what happened to me with Tom Brokaw, I still suffered years of humiliation, isolation, and shame.
1: She says she's been living through this, obviously, since it took place when she was in her 20s. She went on to work at Fox News for some time. Brokaw immediately responded with a denial of doing anything wrong. Quote, I met with Linda Vester on two occasions, both at her request twenty-three years ago, because she wanted advice with respect to her career at NBC. The meetings were brief, cordial, and appropriate, and despite Linda's allegation, I made no romantic overtures towards her at that time or at any other time. Time now is five fifty-five. Phone number here is one eight hundred-eight three four 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 1-800-834-1530. Brokaw immediately responded with a denial of doing anything wrong. Quote, I met with Linda Vester on two occasions, both at her request twenty-three years ago, because she wanted advice with respect to her career at NBC. The meetings were brief, cordial, and appropriate, and despite Linda's allegation, I made no romantic overtures towards her at that time or at any other time. Time now is five fifty-five. Phone number here is one 1-800-834-1530 or 916-921-1530. And NBC, the network itself, and the executives who run that network face some very significant challenges with regards to sexual harassment in the wake of the Matt Lauer scandal. And now this story breaks over the weekend. There's been criticism of NBC that they have not allowed an outside investigative agency to come in and take a look at what transpired in terms of the allegations with Lauer. And now they have the allegations against Brokaw. And the NBC News chairman is a guy named Andy Lack. And he wrote a memo to the staff to reassure them that they are very much on top of this investigation and are taking care of not only investigating the allegations, but also taking care of their employees to make sure that they feel safe and secure in the workplace. Dear colleagues, he writes, we take these allegations, such as these, very seriously, and we act on them quickly and decisively when the facts dictate. And he goes on to discuss a little bit more about the claims against Matt Lauer and how many employees they have. And he wraps it up by saying, once again, our highest priority is to ensure that we have a workplace environment where everyone feels safe and protected. We absolutely are committed to... To making this a reality, there can be no exception. So that's the latest with regards to the allegations against Tom Brokaw at NBC. Do you believe them? And what do you think about Diamond and Silk? Because we're going to get to that on the other side of the break as well. Their testimony was really something. You'll have to hear it to believe it. And the questioning was, I, I just couldn't follow this line of thinking at all, but maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, but they are very exciting. They are young black women who have a, po- a platform on YouTube, and they come out on a, on a very regular basis and talk about their support of President Trump, and they're, they're very loud critics of the Black Lives Matter movement. So we're going to hear from them and their testimony on Capitol Hill regarding Facebook and potential bias against conservatives on social media platforms. Phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. So much more in the next hour right here on KFBK. This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane, and we'll be right back.
0: Stay connected. A standoff continues in Cameron Park. Stay informed. Some of the numbers, jobless claims. The KFBK Afternoon News. Weekdays, 4 to 7. News Radio KFBK, 93.1 FM and 1530 AM. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK.
1: It's Sunday rolling into the night now. We're giving up the evening and making our way towards Saturday. I should say Saturday, not Sunday. I'm getting ahead of myself. 916-921-1530 is the phone number. 1-800-834-1530. Uh, explosive testimony this past week on Capitol Hill. Is Facebook objective or are they biased? We're going to get to that in one second. But before we do, Mary has been so kind to call in and hang on on hold for a while to talk about the Tom Brokaw allegations. Hi, Mary. How are you tonight? Hi there.
3: Doing fine. And it is so good to hear your voice,
1: Sam. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. What are your thoughts on these allegations by Linda Vester against Tom Brokaw?
3: Well... I don't know if it's politically correct to say it or you can beep it. I think it's a bunch of BS because um, I met him um, many, many years ago. I also met Matt Lauer and he always seemed kind of sneaky or squeaky to me. And so
1: so- I, I'm kind of losing you a little bit with your phone. Um, you, you, you said you also met Matt Lauer?
3: Yeah. And, uh, and he seemed very impressed with himself and... Um, just kind of sneaky or expected everybody to be very impressed with him. And Tom Brokaw was just a genuine Midwestern kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and no, I don't believe it. I think she's at the end of her career. I mean, he helped her get a job at Fox, for heaven's sakes, and she didn't do well over there on her own, except to get along with old Roger Ailes, who has his own problems. But,
1: but how do we um, – but, you know, look, you could meet a guy, and he seems like a nice guy. If we know Tom Brokaw, you said a Midwestern guy. He grew up in South Dakota, and he worked in the Midwest in, in the early part of his career. Uh, but how do we really know what happens behind closed doors between, you know, two adults?
3: That's true. That's very true. And, and, and you don't know. Right. I just believe her, though.
1: You're, I- you're, you're saying just based on the personality that you experience between Lauer and Brokaw – that you you far more would believe Brokaw than you would Lauer. Oh,
3: definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. Mm. Um, but, and to me, it just it seems strange timing for her to come out with this. You know, she's not in the spotlight anymore, and so this is her way to do it. it I don't know; it just doesn't doesn't jive with me.
1: These cases are so hard; they just you know it's a, it so often comes down to the he said she said, Mary.
3: Oh yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. Hey,
1: yeah, uh, things, yeah. Go ahead.
3: Things were different back then. I mean, I can remember being patted on the fanny, and you know, fine. Everybody joked around, and no big deal. But you know, then somebody propositioning you, like she says he did, that's something entirely different. Yeah,
1: there. Are, I guess there there's a level, right?
3: Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mary, listen, uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate the phone call calling in from uh, Sacramento on Tom Brokaw. Definitely. Good
3: oh, guy. I've...
1: Okay, th- thanks a lot. Have a good Saturday night. It's uh, 609 here at KFBK. The phone number is 916 921 1530 834 1530 Wow. The testimony on Capitol Hill from Diamond and Silk. It wasn't boring. Let's go there. So the House Judiciary Committee held a hearing. This was on Thursday. It was called filtering practices of social media platforms due to the allegations that big tech companies censor conservatives on their platforms. Now we know specifically where this originated. Among the guests invited to testify were Diamond and Silk. This all started, of course, with that Facebook testimony by CEO Mark Zuckerberg. So Facebook took Diamond and Silk and they labeled their page as, quote, unsafe to the community. Diamond and Silk. Wait till you hear them and you tell me if they're unsafe to the community. They might be conservative. They might be passionate. But it's a pretty hard argument to make that they're unsafe to the community. Zuckerberg said in his testimony before Congress earlier this month that Facebook had made an enforcement error regarding the pair. Republican lawmakers have taken the incident as proof that the Silicon Valley company is out to get conservatives. So during this hearing, Democratic lawmakers and members of Congress were consistently complaining that the hearing was pointless. And the line of questioning from one congressman will justify that that position that they felt it was pointless. This is Georgia Congressman Hank Johnson. Now, this is a Democrat. In his questioning, he had ignored all of the allegations that Facebook and other social media platforms are censoring conservative messages while promoting liberal causes. He didn't even go there, even though that was the justification for the hearing and that was the point of the hearing. Instead, he suggested that Diamond and Silk were simply in it for the money. The the point I'm trying to make
6: is you all have been bashing Facebook and you've been making a ton of money, isn't that correct? No,
9: no, 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 Wait a minute, hold up. You, un- you you to the community. You have not been making and a ton of
6: money based itself. on you your bashing of Facebook? No,
9: no, 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 we didn't bash Facebook. What so we did was we brought it to the money? light on how Facebook has been censoring been, conservative voices have, like ourselves have for you been six making, months, 29 days,
6: five hours, 43
9: minutes and 40 seconds. That's what they did. Now, I can't tell you something we making?
6: Have you been making money? Have you been monetizing?
9: They won't let us monetize on Facebook. They stopped it for six months, 29 days.
6: So they've been messing with your money then
9: exactly That's they exactly limited what our pages right. but they, they did. did and youtube did also by demonetizing 95 percent of our videos for no reason at all but deeming still, it as hate speech however selling, allow me to say still that sell them,
6: merchandise on the, uh, well even uh, if we, we sell merchandise,
9: merchandise that don't have anything to do with facebook facebook censored our free speech and shame on the ones that don't even see that we have been censored. Yet, when the Black Lives Matter people complain about it, oh, everybody is up in arms. Let me just say this here. If the shoe was on the other foot and Mark Zuckerberg was a conservative and we were liberals, oh, all fences and all chains would have broke loose. You know it and I know it. Democrats, but what I find appalling Democrats, is that these Democrats, okay. they don't want to take up for yeah. our voices. Democrats would right. okay. be in the street. Democrats okay. would be in the street right now I'd marching like to, and I'd calling like him all type a, of yes. racist.
1: What's wrong with making money? I, I don't get anything about that. I mean, obviously, the strategy, I mean, we, you could, his strategy is as transparent as it can be. He's trying to paint them as money grubbers. They're just in it to get money, they're greedy. No, they're making money. And people who give their opinions make money all the time. Jack Ullman is an editorial cartoonist for McClatchy Newspapers. And you can see Jack's work in the Sacramento Bee. And Jack is a friend of mine, and he's extraordinarily talented, and he's extraordinarily liberal, and he is great at what he does. And Jack gets paid to give his opinion. He makes money giving his opinion. According to Congressman Hank Johnson, that's wrong. Diamond and Silk are making money, and he's suggesting that there's something wrong with that. There's more from this guy, and we're going to have more of his incredible line of questioning on the other side of the break. It's uh, 614, also what Facebook is doing now to try to resurrect their image to convince you that they are protecting your information. We have that on the other side as well, and we'll hear more on the Fresno State professor, the mad tweeter. There's news on her front. What's going to happen to her? Maybe nothing. 615 is the time. I'm Sam Shane. Phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live on KFBK, and we're live. Join us if you wish. We're back in a moment.
0: KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK.
5: 916
1: 921 1530. 1 800 834 The phone numbers to call in here to KFBK. This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. It's six eighteen. Sometimes we rewind and look at the replay, just like they do in the NFL and NBA. And we move backwards for just a second and pick up the Brokaw discussion because Norma has called in from Rio Linda. Norma, good evening. How are you?
3: Fine, thanks. How about
1: you? I'm doing well. What do you think about Tom Brokaw and the allegations by Linda Vester?
3: I think 30 to 40 years down the road is a long time for her to be complaining about it. Why didn't she do it at the time? What's the matter with these women? They can't say no, knock it off, cut it out? Well... I had a super... I had a boss that... Came up behind. Up, well, I was sitting on a counter, and I put my feet up on it because he opened up the door and came in, and I had to move my feet. He came in, and he patted me on the fanny, and I said, you t- lay a hand on me again. I'll break your damned arm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: You I know, guess, I mean, well, Norma, that's one, that, that, I know that's one way to handle it, but Linda Vester said the reason that she didn't approach any of the executives at NBC, that had she gone in and complained and said something... That that would have ruined her career. I mean, after all, this was Tom Brokaw. He was the managing editor of NBC Nightly News and anchored that newscast every night.
3: So, why did she stay there? She could have gone elsewhere. That's ridiculous. She she put herself in the position, she left herself in the position, waiting 30, 40 years.
1: Oh, I think we're losing Norma's signal there. I agree. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, normal. We're kind of losing your signal, but thank, thank, thanks for the phone call, calling in from Rio Linda, six twenty on the Brokaw allegations, which we discussed a, a short time ago here on Weekend Live. Uh, we resume with our discussion on Facebook and Diamond and Silk, and the line of questioning from Congressman Hank Johnson. Phone number here: nine one six nine two one fifteen thirty 1530 So. Facebook has launched a new ad campaign. Is this going to work for you? I'll describe it. You let me know if this makes you feel any better about using Facebook. It has an old message. So on Wednesday, they launched a major national advertising campaign. Facebook did. It's going to appear online in movie theaters, public transit, on billboards and TV all throughout the summer. And it essentially says, the message is, From now on, Facebook will do more to keep you safe and protect your privacy. Obviously, they're very concerned about the image they have following Mark Zuckerberg's testimony in front of Congress. It's a 60-second spot. It may be a bid to win back consumer trust. The ad frames issues like fake news and data misuse as assaults that somehow just happened. The ad does not address at all Facebook's responsibility. Zuckerberg failed to do the same in Congress. He could not say why and how it happened and why Facebook allowed this to happen and who's responsible. Facebook reassures users that they will do a better job of protecting their privacy from now on. You believe them. Is that ad campaign going to work with you? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. And then there's the issue of Perceived or not, bias among Facebook and other social media platforms in Silicon Valley. Do they target conservatives? Are they censoring their messages? Are they slowing them down? Are they ignoring them and promoting liberal messages instead? This is Congressman Hank Johnson. He's a Democrat from Georgia. And he questioned Diamond and Silk, two young African-American women who have become YouTube sensations for what they have posted online with regards to their support for the conservative movement for President Trump and their criticism of Black Lives Matter. And they say that Facebook has not only censored them, but has not even responded to their requests as to why. However, Hank Johnson, the Congressman from Georgia, the Democrat, simply would not give up on his line of questioning, suggesting that this is somehow wrong for Diamond and Silk to be making money posting their political opinions.
6: And we're giving you a tremendous platform with this hearing to make a ton of money when it's over
9: that's right and i hope everybody on facebook can follow us and like,
6: like yes that's right that's, that's right, right. It, because, because that's, what right. Be that's what it's supposed
9: to be about it's supposed to be, to be about the yeah. obtaining okay. the that's american right. dream we are african-american women that's if right. illegal aliens can come over here and build businesses why can't we why can't and we, we were born on this store well, oh now, you I, don't have a right to silence my voice
6: well, now, i've always not. i've always heard though that um diamonds are girls best.
9: they are and they hard too and it if I got to be hard and get be firm with you, I will. Right. You're not going to brush us off and dismiss us no, you're not. like we don't have merit here. But These people censored us yes. for no reason. They put limitations on our page for no reason, and that was wrong.
6: But rather than diamonds, you're seeking money with Facebook. Isn't that correct?
9: Well, you know what? If Facebook is a platform for you to make money, then so be it. Everybody right. else do well, it. And don't stop us from making money. And don't I make us that. feel guilty because we and other people that's built their brand page want to make money. I We've see. spent plenty of money.
1: They just schooled that guy. What does he think Maureen Dowd does for a living for the New York Times? One of the most brilliant writers in the world. She writes opinion pieces. They pay her in large part, not just for her brilliant writing, but for her to express her opinion. She makes money expressing her opinion. Diamond and Silk make money expressing their opinion. Now would Congressman Hank Johnson call Maureen Dowd in front of his committee and ask them, ask her the very same line of questioning. Luis, can we re-cue that bite again, if that's possible? Just give me a nod, if we can. Now, hang on before you roll it. Listen to the very first line that he says The very first thing that he says. That's all we need to hear. Just the very first thing that he says. Let's listen to this. The the
6: point I'm trying to make is... No, that's is not it.
1: Are... That's not it. Play the next bite. The second bite, first line.
6: And we're giving you a tremendous platform with this hearing.
1: That's it. Make- we're giving you a tremendous platform with this hearing. We the super powerful lawmakers in Washington D.C. are giving you the minions, the little taxpayer, the voter, the opinion maker a tremendous platform. Look at the look at the favor we're doing for you. Hank Johnson, Congressman, still has not come to terms with the notion that he works for us. He doesn't give us a platform for anything. We give him a job. And then how about the condescending line, I thought diamonds are a girl's best friend. Wow. This guy is really something. No wonder Diamond and Silk got upset. Wouldn't you, if you were on the receiving end of that, listening to some lawmaker look down his nose at you and talk to you like that, 627 is the time, 921-1530 is the phone number, 1-800-834-1530. I mean, how would you respond if you were them? You go in and you sit down and you say, Look, I'm trying to express my opinion in America and we have all these social media platforms and they're shutting me down because it doesn't fit their agenda. And you have a lawmaker who says, how dare you make money? <laughs> really? How dare you make money? I thought that was supposed to be the American way, but I i guess not. We move on. We're going to be talking about on the other side of the break, the Fresno State professor who has a job and will remain on the job, the mad tweeter of uh, some remarkable developments. And uh, by the way, some of her colleagues on the campus of Fresno State are not happy with this at all. So if you think that everybody at Fresno State uses the type of language that this woman has used... Uh, That is not the case. Um, Her name is Rhonda Gerard, and she was the one who went on a bitter rant on Twitter right after the death of Barbara Bush. So we're going to study that on the other side. And before we get to the break, um, this crossed my desk this morning, and I needed just to take a look at this. The UC Berkeley is going to face a, on a lawsuit for alleged bias against conservative speakers. A federal judge has redec- rejected the University of California Berkeley's bid. They wanted to dismiss a lawsuit to claim that it discriminated against conservative speakers like Ann Coulter by imposing unreasonable restrictions and fees on their appearances. So UC Berkeley, which was known as the home of free speech, they're now in the midst of a lawsuit for quashing it. We'll stay on top of that. But before we do that, let's get to Steve. He's in Orangevale. Steve, we got just a little bit of time and uh, I don't know if you want to just hold over for the break and we can get to you on the other side. you have some stuff you want to express then? Nope. I guess Steve is on hold and not listening to us right now. So we'll put him on hold and we were gonna we're gonna take a quick break and get to Steve on the other side. He wants to make a comment about Congressman Hank Johnson and the questioning that he delivered to Diamond. And silk, and we're also going to get to Fresno State. The president came out and said, you know what? We're really not going to do anything with this professor. And she has she has created quite a firestorm with what she said. So I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. The phone number here, 916-921-1530, 834 1530 This is Weekend Live, and we're going to be right back.
0: Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio, KFBK.
1: Saturday evening rolling into the night 635 is the time thanks for joining us I'm Sam Shane on KFBK News Radio. KFBK phone number here is 916-921-1530 1-800-834-1530 we're going to get to Fresno State and their decision controversial as it is in just a moment but first we want to go to Steve he's hanging on the line right now from Orangevale Steve how are you tonight
4: I'm good man hey just real quick I don't have too much time to talk but um, I just wanted to say that Hank Johnson. I, I was just I laugh when I hear him interrogate people. Yeah. Because this is the same Hank Johnson that thought that Guam would tip over if too many military people were stationed there.
1: <laughs> you know, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that soundbite. But why do oh, yeah. I? Why do I believe it? <laughs> it I mean, that me too. <laughs> honestly, Steve, that line of questioning. When I heard it the first time, I thought, "What is this guy talking about?" Yeah, he's he's
4: not the sharpest tool in the shed, but that's why he's in Congress. Uh,
1: (laughs) Steve, thanks a lot for the call. Have a great Saturday. Appreciate it. Uh, We want to go to Donna in Fair Oaks, and I think this will transition us very nicely into our next topic. Hi, Donna. How are you?
8: I'm doing very well. Thank you.
1: So what's on Um, your mind here tonight?
8: Well, I'm just so disappointed with Fresno State. It's just so wrong that she can get away with this disrespect.
1: Isn't it unbelievable? Uh, I, let yeah. me hey, hang, on, hang on, don't go sure. away, I just want to so our, our listeners know what's going on. This is the very latest from Fresno State this week. Fresno State English professor is going to keep her job after a Twitter bashing of the Bush family. Rhonda Girard went on a bitter rant one week ago, pushed the university into the national spotlight, and on Tuesday of this week, the president there, Joseph Castro, announced it did not violate university policy. Uh, we're going to play a clip of some sound of her in just a moment here, Donna. Uh, that is absolutely stunning. Um, okay. But what do you what do you think about the the president uh, Joseph Castro? What are your thoughts on him?
8: Well, um, I, I think he 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 might just uh, be educated uh, soon enough when uh, people stop going to his school. Uh, she's not the type of educator I would pay to have my children go there, or at this time in life, my grandchildren. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, part of the reason this country is (laughs) suffering through some things it's doing is uh, people, especially teachers like that, that feel they're entitled to uh, their opinion. And if she's getting away with it, she's going to be teaching the kids the same thing.
1: So reports surfaced within the last uh, week and a half to two weeks that uh, donations from alum are in jeopardy, and that doesn't surprise you
8: does not surprise me a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a senior citizen and we, uh, we raised our children differently than this. And if we have the teachers trying to, uh, change what we've worked very hard to make good stewards of this country, um, uh, you know, we just can't let them get away with this disrespect.
1: Well, this is amazing. Okay, I'll tell you what, Donna. There's a lot for us to get to on this topic, and the sound is really pretty remarkable. Thanks very much for the phone call. Appreciate it, Donna, calling in from Fair Oaks tonight. Time now is six thirty-eight. Phone number nine one six nine two one fifteen thirty one eight hundred eight three four fifteen thirty. So, President Castro, after he makes that announcement. That she did not violate any university policy, and you can, be, you can determine whether or not she should be at the school in just a minute when we play this next clip of sound. He evaded all follow-up questions. The guy made the announcement, wouldn't answer any questions, and was unwilling to elaborate on Fresno State's decision not to pursue any disciplinary action against Gerard. She called Barbara Bush, right after Barbara Bush passed away, quote, an amazing racist and a war criminal. This was on the day that she died. And as offensive as a lot of people found that to be, a few days later, there was a short videotape, a compilation of some of the public speeches that she has made with some of the most vulgar language and encouraging violence. And we've got that clip, and these, again, are are speeches that she has done over the course of time, and these are all put together. This is uh, Rhonda Girard.
5: Even though a lot of the farmers now are Trump supporters and just... Stupid, and I'm inspired by several things. Usually, my hatred for the man. Um, times I just say that I can't f- stand the white hetero patriarchy and then sometimes I'm sucking a white. A I don't give a f-. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a f-. I'm buying guns, like I, yeah, I. Wanda's buying I'm guns. I'm an American. I'm buying guns. <laughs> you know, the other side is like doing some stupid I'm gonna do some stupid I'm tired of like being the bigger person, literally am usually, but like, I'm also just tired of the left being stupid and being like, no, we have to be, we have to like be gentle, we have to, no, don't be gentle, okay? You know, uh, resistance fighters in the 60s and 70s, they didn't kill anyone, but they scared the out of people. You know, they would hijack a plane and be like, We're not gonna hurt anyone on this plane, but we are gonna hijack this plane, you know? What need like why is Spencer's house still standing? I don't understand. Like it needs to be broken into. People need to fucking throw grenades into it. I don't give a fuck. A person hones their writer's voice is by telling people to shut up when they annoy them. Um, you know, call them out for their inappropriate and spilling out masculinity um, make fun of them in public around a bunch of other people that were at an event
1: if you're okay with that language if you like to be talked to like that if you'd like your children to be talked to like that Fresno State is a place for you that's a professor at Fresno State that's not just the tweet that she wrote about Barbara Bush there is a pattern here that is extraordinarily disturbing. Talking about hijacking planes and throwing grenades into homes. Um, I'm going to play another soundbite in a second, but before we do that, let's get to Danny's in Citrus Heights. Danny, how are you tonight?
10: Well, I am troubled as an American. But always been attacked by people who hated us, and we've still endured. But I think that every student who had to endure through her. Uh, rants at, at at Fresno State and used to pick it out in front of uh, Fresno State and demand that they receive a refund uh, for them having to, for what they've had to endure in her class. Because, I, I mean, I have an AA degree in social behavior science from Sierra College. And in my sociology class, I won't say the name of the instructor, but she was just pretty much the same type of attitude.
1: Right. And... and
10: and it led for some really, really loud discussions between her and some of the other students. I just wanted to get the grade because I didn't want to have any confrontation.
1: Was she allowed to stay stay on there?
10: Yep, she's still she's still there. Yeah, it's terrible.
1: Danny, Danny, look, this does nothing to to boost the confidence of any parent who's no. sending their kid to school anywhere. No, you it know, doesn't. I mean, I'm not suggesting that I'm lumping every university and college in with Fresno State right now. But, no. but any of those that are on the borderline, that are leaning left, or have very radical views, and you're hearing about hijacking planes and throwing grenades into houses, I mean, yeah. that's just crazy talk.
10: It's just, it's because, what is that saying about, the only way for evil to exist is for who to stand by and do nothing, good people mm-hmm. to stand by and do nothing. Listen, and That's I've, why there being a lot, it's like a spoiled brat kid that's been allowed to get away with. Right, with everything, and then suddenly they're being told that they can't do it. Now Now it's only going to get worse, I'm right. sure. Danny, thanks. The other-
1: thank you very much. I, I don't mean to, to, to move quickly, but my time's limited, and we've got a lot of audio clips to get to on this story, because it's pretty remarkable that uh, we've been getting responses from all across the country, and one of them is coming from a guy from Illinois. Now, so she's going to keep her job. The president says the tweets were free speech, and there's a guy named Patrick Hofstetter and he's organized a change.org petition. He says they have like 50,000 signatures already to get Gerard out from Fresno State. Here's audio clip 13.
4: The more I researched her, the more active I wanted to become. Because it started with the tweets about, you know, the first lady, the ex-first lady, Barbara Bush. But this goes way beyond Barbara Bush's comments.
1: So he heard this in Illinois on YouTube and said, wait a second, that, that just can't be allowed in any higher institution of learning in the United States of America. doesn't matter if it's Illinois or California or New York or wherever, we can't have that. And 50,000 people already agree with him and have signed the petition to get him out, to get her out. He says he's disgusted by Gerard's YouTube videos, her vulgar language when she talked about hijacking the planes and throwing the grenades. So more now on the 50,000 people who have signed the petition.
4: I believe that
1: everybody has their opinion. But there's a line between free speech and hate speech. And they have to draw that line sometime. The United States Supreme Court has ruled that yes, we all have the right to free speech. That does not give any of us the right to stand up and yell fire in the middle of a movie theater. That was the ruling of the United States Supreme Court. Free speech does not have limits. It has limits. You can't just say anything. And when you listen to some of the things that she has said, and then you hear the president of Fresno State saying it's her right to do that, Is it? 6.45 is the time. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. There are members of the faculty at Fresno State who are very upset, and we want to get to them on the other side of the break because this just is really firing them up now, and we have a caller on the line who's waiting to talk about this as well. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK News Radio, KFBK on Weekend Live, and we're back in a moment.
0: Weekend Live News and Analysis on News Radio KFBK
1: We got a lot to get to here in the final segment of Weekend Live on this Saturday night 6:50 is the time my name is Sam Shane thank you for being with us tonight the phone number here is 916-921-1530, 834 1800-834-1530 More on Fresno State and the mad tweeter, the professor, who will be allowed to stay on. Let's go to Greg in Cameron Park tonight. Hi, Greg, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, calling you from Cameron Park Air Park up here. Hey, the reason she's getting away with it, it's because she's a liberal. And um, she'd been a conservative doing the same type of thing. She'd be hounded. Um, with what she says constantly, just like, uh, and I got to get into this, just like your good buddy Jerk Omen, can't stand the guy.
1: Who Jack? Ja- the- Jack? You're talking about Jack Omen?
2: Yeah, I'm talking about Jack. Well, okay? now, ja-
1: okay, so no, no, for folks who are just joining us, Jack is a, an editorial editorial cartoonist and writer for the Sacramento Bee and McClatchy newspapers. He's very talented. He's very liberal. He is a friend of mine. But what's your problem with him?
2: He constantly gets to put liberal jabs in the paper, but that's
1: what—that's his job.
2: All right. Okay. Then there's nothing. And, and there's some,
1: nothing wrong with that. A conservative uh, opinion writer would do the same thing.
2: Right. Okay. Good. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. Listen though, he gets to do that constantly every day, and some of it is very offensive. Okay yet nobody's calling him out Well,
1: on it yeah, now wait a second, though, Greg. There is a level of offense here that's taking place. I mean, if Jack writes or draws something that you, that you find objectionable or offensive because you're a Republican, I get that. But that, that does not rise to the level of what Randa Gerard did at Fresno State. I mean, she used vulgar language. She talked right. about hijacking planes and throwing grenades in buildings. Jack doesn't even come close to that.
2: No he no he does not but him and the bee are so one sided you know, I took the bee for 25 years I quit taking it um okay it's, it's it's gone too far. Well, the other day, be, but, other but, way, yeah.
1: Well, Here's here, a, a broader discussion here, Greg, and I don't want to get too much into the you know the political machinations of the Sacramento Bee and other newspapers. What I find troubling here is that we have a a, a, a professor at a university in California, subsidized by taxpayers, who is allowed to use this kind of language, and and it, I find it vulgar, and threatens violence. And there's nothing done to her. I don't care what her political persuasion is. That that's that is troubling.
2: Well, she she should be gotten rid of. Just like there's people in 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 um, government jobs in the state of California that have cost us millions of dollars in lawsuits, and they still have their jobs.
1: Well, yeah, but again, we're com- we're com- we're comparing oranges and apples. I understand you're concerned about the waste of taxpayer money. I get that. So, all right, Greg. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call from Cameron Park. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's continue this discussion because there are people at Fresno State who work at that college who are very disgusted by what's happened. This is Craig Bernthal. He's a Fresno State professor. He says her tweets, her YouTube rants, appear to him to be racist.
0: What bothers me more about Professor Gerard is there seems to me to be a consistent strain of racism in her statements directed at white people.
1: He says that she is racist towards white people. If you've not seen her, she appears to be white. But he's concerned about racism here. Now we want to play the second clip. This is also from Bernthal. He says, Fresno State leaders, the leadership, he says, needs to say something and do something about this.
0: I don't think that it should necessarily come down to a question of whether she's fired or not but I think that the university needs to respond to what she has said across the board.
1: The president of Fresno state is Joseph Castro and he's doing nothing and he's not answering questions and he will not punish her. Jared from Sacramento. We have a little bit of time left, so we're going to go to you very quickly. Jared, how are you tonight?
4: Yes, sir. I just wanted to say how despicable. I think it is, um, like the the president um maybe not fire but something needs to happen because all this does is embolden the uh the the manner or you know the behavior of these people you know same thing with uh the mayor when uh samonte clark jumped on the the diaz when he was speaking and got in his face and all he did was well he's, he's having a tough time because he lost a family member well
1: so you're, you know, you're saying you're saying in these two cases you were seeing a lack of leadership and that's what you find oh, disgusting.
4: In a, big way and them not doing anything all it does is embolden the next person to uh to, you know, for the behavior to continue
1: so do you think so she should really be fi- i mean if you were the president what would you do if you were at fresno state right away
4: I, right. i would have put her on uh suspension and then you know and then after these other uh sound clips that you just uh, said came out, I would have fired her.
1: So after our, you, our a, after you hear the sound bites of the speeches that she's given over the course of time, you say, "Wait a second, we're talking about throwing grenades in houses and hijacking planes. That's over the top. Exactly. You can't work here anymore." Right. Exactly. Yeah. But she's, but, but she's, he would argue. But you know, she and and she even tweeted this out. Well, I have tenure. I'm untouchable. And that and and
4: well, no, she's she's molding the minds of our youth.
1: Right. But that we right but there. we have a system that protects her. I mean, if, if indeed she's right that she's being that she is protected by tenure, then we have a broader discussion about our system as a whole here, don't we?
4: I, I agree. And I fought for seven and a half years in the U.S. Army infantry. And, uh, you know, so I basically fought to give her that right. But, you know, it, I don't
1: know. I, right.
4: It doesn't make me feel good.
1: Well, you so, know, Jared, as I said, it gets back. Doesn't it get back to the Supreme Court ruling, which says, yes, we have freedom of speech. But that doesn't mean that you can get up in the middle of a theater and yell fire. I mean, there are limitations,
4: right? Exactly. Right. And I have a, I have an 11 year old son, and I really don't want him going to any, any school that has teachers uh, that teach that, you know, that ty- type of rhetoric. Yeah,
1: I, I, think that there are a, a, a lot of parents that are second guessing whether their kids going to go to Fresno State next year based on this story. I would not doubt that. I'm, I'm sure they okay. Are. Hey well, thank Jared, Jared thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. It's uh, approaching uh, six fifty-eight, which means that we are running out of time here on Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. We are here at five o'clock to seven o'clock every Saturday night live. We hope you join us here at KFBK News Radio KFBK. Again, Sam Shane here. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk with you later. <laughs>